K.A. Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of K.R.K.A. Radio with your boy, the fabulous, charming, the wing guy, Vontae. I'll be taking over for Henry. He's currently in the Savage Land at the bathhouse. We wish him luck on that. Um, I'm here with my other two fellow co-hosts, um, Black Word. Hello, is your emperor of table dust. We now see and understand exactly why we need culture and the arts in this bitch. Uh, I hope you are feeling lively, feeling well, and feeling happy. Satisfy yourself and satisfy others. Thank you for coming by. I forgot to add long-winded at the uh, beginning of your You were hating heifers <laughs> each and every time. I just know that it's the jealousy. I just, mm, Omega-level haters, that's all I hear. Oh, what a power that is. Um, and then we also have with us the handsome, intelligent, super strong, omega level, penetrating showtime. Uh, what's showtime. up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Um, your representative from table. Ooh, wow. Forgot what my table is. Wow. This is mm. what high brain does. Damn. I am table dawn. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Performance issues. Don't forget, That's... Don't forget wow. table. This is what um high brain does for you and a very lack of sleep. Um yeah. hmm. well I'm here. I'm the Omega level top and not the Omega level memory rememberer thing. So, you know, there's that. I'm not Lectuka. Lectuka is not on my table. I'm here as the winner, the loser, and the tiebreaker. I'm still pissed that you left table day. You were sitting with me, and you. So. Well, we also. we had to spread the love to all of the tables. We did. I mean, this week we finally got the name of like, what was the name of the, of the original member of uh, the original owner of Storm's um, seat. It was like something they shape shifting queen. Yeah, um, nameless. Nameless, yes. Okay. Yeah. Damn, girl. So sorry you had to go out like that. Uh, I, I <laughs> it was a wrap since you started. Storm whipped her ass. <laughs> yes, yeah, but we 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 love a good showdown. I think she died. She definitely died. She had that bitch is dead. That's not a living person. You don't. Listen, we're gonna get into it when we talk about Immortal X Men. The something about they knew exactly Kieran knew exactly what to give us. It was the right combination of everything we demanded. It was just mm, artist, mm, culinary professional. It Tasted mm, delicious. That's where it's a chef kiss, along with the the colors and the artistry. Like we love it, we love it. I think X Men Red's gonna be the one for the books. It's gonna be yes. one of those series, mm-hmm. especially. I'm excited. <laughs> so. Today on our list, we have um, Devil's Reign. What issue is it? Number three? Devil's Reign X-Men number three. We have uh, X-Deaths of Wolverine number five. And we have Immortal X-Men number one. We are absolutely skipping X-Men Unlimited. Um, Y'all can go read that on Marvel Unlimited. Just go read it. it. It's not a bad story. Go read it. Um, and we're skipping Patch too. I just want to Yeah, Wolverine Patch. Patch. We don't know her. It's too much Logan. We're done. We're we, did, we, we did it. We did it. Listen, we did Logan, baby. Time. We. Are... 
no we appreciate you. That. We're done. We know what you give. We know you wear gowns sometimes when you walk, you know, as far as across the board. Do we want to keep entertaining you? Fives, just fives across the board. Uh, <laughs> I'll give Ed's death a six because it wasn't entirely Logan-based, but it was the more interesting between those two issues, mm-hmm. between those two series. But, but before we get into that, I think I think we got to talk about the hot girls. Um, so Showtime, I hear we have a new hottie. A new black, a new, oh, we don't really have a lot of those in Marvel, actually, now that I think about it. There's not a lot of black hotties who just be fucking niggas up. So, think about it. We, I know we have, you sit here looking at me like that, you think of Misty Knight. Name, outside of Storm, actually, no, I don't even count Storm. I don't even count Shuri like that. They have powers. I'm talking about someone with pure hands. At every single turn. It's like, they don't love me, you know? Go ahead, Showtime. Take it away. <laughs> this is colorism. Um, this is colorism. We'll get there. Um, all right. So I guess I am covering Devil's Reign X-Men, the number three, the tie-in. So we start with the cover of the um the issue is Emma Frost being held by police officers. She's in her diamond form and in the reflection of her face is Kingpin. Uh, so we see that, um, what is this nigga's name? Is it Union Jack? Is that his name? I don't know this nigga's name. Um, yeah, that's Union Jack. Okay. Union Jack, basically the Bucky of the UK. We Why? Um, is working for Kingpin and he has arrested uh, Emma Frost. They try to put an inhibitor collar on her, an Orcus inhibitor collar, um, but her telepathy is still active, and she's Emma Frost, so she just tells them to put it on themselves and leave her the fuck alone. Um, and then she demonstrates something that not many telepaths demonstrate. Um, she was able to dominate the brains of uh, the police dogs and have them attack on her behalf so that she can then free herself from being captive. Um, Emma Frost very much so demonstrates that she's a bitch you don't want to fuck with. And her telepathy is not her only... She'll use telepathy to be able to fight in a uh, in a fight and then still can hold her own in, um, in the fight. Uh, she basically tells all the police officers and security guards to go fight each other. Um, and then she escapes into the underground is that what they call their subway in the uk i don't fucking know the the uk has things that are named things that i don't remember the names of um then we see uh her sneaking into uh, the hellfire club that is in in the in london i think is where she's at um and as she sneaks in she sneaks in to change and um, she discovers, I don't remember this girl's name, uh, the girl that she um, forgot to mind wipe after Electra murdered that person that was across the alleyway from her um, and that Emma took, not, and not didn't kidnap, but she um, put her in witness protection essentially, um, did not wipe her memories of everything 
but now she is a trained assassin and has broken into the Hellfire Club um, building and is sitting talking to Emma Frost. They kind of rehash uh, what has gone on in the subsequent years since Emma has sort of dropped her off um, in her form of witness protection uh, and offers her safety no matter wherever she goes. Um, and then it's very heavily implied that she may in fact be a mutant because she asks if she, uh, mm, sorry, she asks if she can find uh, solace on uh, Krakoa. She asks Emma if she would be willing to bring her to Krakoa. So it either reads as she could be a mutant or um, that she is a human seek, uh, seeking uh, refuge on uh, Krakoa. Um, she sort of rehashes the whole why she didn't mind wipe her um, and that Electra actually came and uh, visited her where she was in her witness protection thing and trained her. Uh, so both Emma Frost put her in witness protection and then Electra uh, came and trained her in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, and so she is actually pretty badass hand-to-hand -hand combatant because Electra is a pretty badass fucking teacher. Um, nothing really important happens through here. They just... Union Jack comes and gets his ass beat by this new black girl. Um, he, she really whoops his ass, like really fucking whoops his ass. Um, I would love to see more of her. Uh, then Emma uh, takes this girl whose name I still don't remember um, through the Krakoan gate onto Krakoa. The girl's like, uh, yeah, I don't know about being here on Krakoa. Um, so she decides not to do that. Um, okay, her name is Isabel. Um, Kingpin has a um, press uh, meeting um, and tries to um, slander uh, Emma Frost for kidnapping as opposed to murdering Isabel. Um, and instead, uh, Emma meets with her lawyers and it turned and she has her lawyers basically handle everything um, because she's a rich white woman and that's what rich white women do. They fight with their lawyers and that's how they do that. Um, Emma then uh, is seen leaving her meeting with her lawyers um, and we pan over to Kingpin in bed with Typhoid Mary um, on top of him. Uh, with a knife to his neck, and uh, we learn that Emma Frost uh, dom is dominating her mind uh, to hold Kingpin accountable. Um, Kingpin thinks that she's at a distance and far away, but she's actually sitting in the room fucking with him. Um, and she basically warns him never to fuck with her again uh, because she can always just take over whoever is near him. Um, and uh, and murder him whenever she would like to. Um, Emma Frost is really, really that white bitch. She's really that white bitch. Um, and then uh, she leaves and says that she is no longer indebted uh, to Kingpin, um, that she has paid off her debt and he needs to leave her the fuck alone. And that is the end of Devil's Reign X-Men, the tie-in that was really just an Emma Frost solo, sort of. I guess that's what we did. All right, so um, we'll start with rude comments and then we'll move on to uh, whatever else we want to talk about. 
Emma Frost lied her goddamn ass off when she says she loves nothing more than children and horses. Yeah, she's a liar. <laughs> she's a fibber. <laughs> she damn straight murdered a horse. <laughs> I don't blame her though, because the girl that it belonged to is trash. Uh, all right, but can we blame her? Exactly. Can we blame her? I was holding that off, but I was like, do I blame her? No, fuck Butterum. Butterum had it coming. Have you asked? You guys are all about animal rights. What about animal wrongs? Dolphins are assholes. You're going to defend a dolphin? All I'm saying is horses aren't so innocent and definitely ponies aren't either. She was doing the world a service if we knew what was coming with us through Angelica. It's just better overall that that horse stays dead. All right? And Angelica never smiles. So fundamentally as well on top of that, there's... Did we can we confirm that we also now acknowledge that that original solo that we got from Emma Frost is full of bullshit and that she framed Astrid probably? I just want Astrid to come back. That's all I want. I think it would make for a good Cohen drama. Mm-hmm. Really fucking piss off Emma Frost, and then somehow, some way, bring back both her sisters just to throw some drama in there. It's coming. You know, an immortal X-Men, it's coming. They're going to bring up everyone that none of them want to ever see again. It's going to be your sisters. And then it's going to be Astra Bloom. And they're going to galvanize. I can see I can see Sinister doing that. I also want to see um, Cassandra Nova be involved in that plot. Because those two bitches don't like each other at all. I'm surprised Celine and Emma were in the same room and they didn't insult each other. <laughs> but we're, we're getting well, ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Sure. Um, what do you think, Vontae? Um, well, I don't necessarily have a rude comment about this, um, little three-issued, um, plan. Um, I think it's cute that we have a little, another, uh, Black female character who's got straight hands, which we were discussing prior to us talking about. <laughs> so, I'm glad we got another, um, uh, little... Uh, black female character. Um, Emma Frost is definitely that bitch that will um, fight with her lawyers, as Showtime says. Um, yeah, I really don't have an opinion on it other than um, it was cute. It was a cute little Emma Frost story. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it showed her um, being Emma Frost. <laughs> Well, I, on the other hand, have quite a few things to say about Isabella. I'm sorry, Isabelle. Isabella. You know, she has a name, Showtime. I didn't know we didn't were erasing black women. I didn't know we were erasing I black women, Showtime. read it fast enough, and I couldn't remember what it was since it's that? been forever since I read it. Why is that? <laughs> would, you, would you like to address that on air? Oh, no, I would not. We, we spend enough time on you. <laughs> so, the other thing I want to say is, yeah, definitely, I think Isabel has a lot of utility here. We really don't have that many, like, women who just fight. Like, Shuri and Misty Knight are the two ones come to mind. Shuri technically doesn't count because she has magic powers. She has all the powers of African Shazam, basically, right? She, <laughs> she turns to birds. She turns to stone. She runs super fast. She is super strong. She's also super nerd. Like, that's a lot going on for one character. Misty Knight, 
appears so sometimes, you know, beats someone's ass, has a robot arm. But in terms of like women who are like, I'm Electra if you don't need an Electra, I think Isabel fits in. I was a bit confused, but after some weeks of thinking about it, I don't think she's a mutant. Because if she was a mutant, she wouldn't need to meet the request. True, but she got the cocoa. Yeah. She was like, um, This shit is ghetto. It reminded me, yeah, <laughs> it reminded me of that. Um, I don't know how familiar both of you are with the Real Housewives of Atlanta, but that um, reunion with Phaedra, and they asked about Sheree's house, and Andy was like, well, what do you see? She was like, um, dirt and grass. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she did. She said, I'm from New York. I saw nothing but dirt and grass. <laughs> she said, mm, there's monsters running around everywhere. Y'all ain't got no leashes. Say like people just dropping shit. People fucking in the bushes. That shit is ghetto. It's just one big cruise party. That's all it is. And like, you know, sis don't get down like that. <laughs> she said, nigga, is that a hut? No. <laughs> she says, if we fucking, we better be fucking on a, in a five-star establishment. Like, it's just not giving. Why would I want to fuck in a hammock? And good question. Who would want to do that? I don't know. Also, for someone, I'm not reading Devil's Reign, not because I think it might suck. I did check out Devil's Reign Villains for Hire recently. It's just, it feels like a comic book I would enjoy when it's all lumped together rather than yeah. spread out. Yeah. Devil's Reign, I'm reading the the main uh, event book. It's one of those events where if you don't read the tie-ins, the jumps that they make between the main event book is too much for mm-hmm. you to like follow what happened. Like, wait, hold on. So-and-so is not, wait, what? So I'm reading the book and I'm like, I clearly need the greater context and I don't feel like buying none of that extra shit. So I will wait till that shit shows up on Marvel Unlimited. Like well, Devil's Reign. How many tie-ins are there? Two I don't know, like six? I don't know. Oh, hell no. Yeah, yeah, nah. Especially for a series that feels like altogether is just Marvel Comics' attempt to shoehorn comic book heroes, I mean, movie heroes and, like, references into the comic books. Like, in Villains for Hire, we got fucking, um, the one that we hate, bad Captain America, Captain, um, White America. Oh, USA agent? Yeah, US agent. They had US agent in it. And he's, he got recruited into the Thunderbolts, just off the fact that I don't like you and you're Trump and I'm basically a liberal, but I will defend my honor. And by having me on the team, you have legitimacy because you can say you don't take sides. And really, he's just like trying to blackmail the team. It's like weird. It's really weird. And like Rhino. It's giving low budget dark rain. Yeah. What they were trying to go for. But when your main villain of the event is Kingpin, you can only really do but so much because Kingpin is a he's not a global threat to anybody. He's a local threat. Whereas um, Norman Osborn was a global fucking threat and they could have used really any anybody the fuck else. I would have been entertained by this. But this is a daredevil focused event, kind of. Mm-hmm. I feel like this book would have done better. It had an X-Force tie-in. I can really see Beast being the dude going. We can't, like, this man is mobilizing to make a big political push to be president. As it stands right now, 
he will be bad to have him position as a president because he he's not anti-mutant, but he's not pro-mutant neither. But also he has a grudge against several of our council members. I would have seen like to see Beast trying to plot out either a hit or a political assassination, period, using the uh, X-Force team as black ops. I would prefer seeing that or just saying like, hey, you know, backroom deal. Kingpin, we really don't want any fuck with you. Like, so here, we're going to give you a few villains from uh, from our Rose Gallery who work for us now through Krakoa. Do with them as you please, but don't act like we didn't do nothing for you. I would much prefer that than, like, just overall trying to pretend like this sort of situation would matter to anyone outside of Krakoa. This feels like it would be matter more if they said it as an X-Book, really. Because I, I definitely agree the stakes just aren't there me to care a lot outside as i know that these are personal issues a lot of the heroes that you know who are contained in new york are going through it's more of a commentary about why does every superhero needs to be in new york city yeah but like kingpin has never been a villain that was a threat to anybody outside of new york city like he might be if he did uh, magic, but even that one Doctor Strange tie-in where New York City was under that darkness dome or whatever, and like, was I think it was actually um, Secret Empire, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, where even, where Nazi Steve Rogers decided to bubble Manhattan and isolate it, and all the New York heroes had to move together to stop like demons and vampires and shit who are taking over the streets, and Doctor Strange is being overworked in there, and he can't take the spell down. It was an interesting concept when he went into the magic vault and then he basically absorbed a lot of dark magic and just became super evil. That I would like, especially because the hood is basically that. But yeah, Kingpin never feels optimized as a villain. I don't know. But I mean, he makes sense sense. for the street level heroes to be their, their like big bad. Yeah, I could see like maybe... I could see maybe politically, but he's just not like the big bad, like existential threat or anything like that. So, but if he took over Magipore or he would, he he joined that other, uh, if he joined Orcus, I would go, okay, now that's a problem. Like, he's not Lex Luthor. I'm going to make a comparison to DC. Lex Luthor is like, the quintessential political villain. Whereas in Marvel, Kingpin doesn't, he can't fill that role. He's more of a, he's not even a Ra's al Ghul. He's a, uh, he's just sort of there. It's just a nigga in a city. Yeah. He's more like comparable. the penguin. Though that makes him more comparable to Emma Frost. I do like that throwing them against each other, but they will never have enough time to showcase, like, what a war between these two parties would look like. But it actually and looks Emma like a time. every time. She would win every time because she has powers. <laughs> like, she not showed off why he can't really fuck with her. And it's like, it works because Emma Frost doesn't really flex the full, like, intensity of what she could do to you. Mm-hmm. And he has the purple man under his thumb as his way of controlling people. The purple man and the purple man's children so he has um empathic control whatever purple man's actual powers he has uh, mind control over hella niggas and emma frost was like that's cute remove 
I mean, basically, even if he did the thing that Red Skull did where he takes Xavier's brain, I'm like that, I could see as being actual things. When Red Skull did that shit, even though, yeah, Red Skull is kind of like that comparison. I think Red Skull is more like a Ra's al Ghul situation because yeah. uh, he can actually throw hands and he's like the menace. And like, in truth, he's also my Joker comparison for like the Marvel Universe, the dude that everyone goes like, technically we all know we doing like some ain't shit shit if Red Skull's involved. Um, and then like you have like not a little uh, Nazi, yeah, little Nazi, and then you have Baron Zemo. I think especially after the TV, the movies have redeemed him away from being a Nazi sympathizer to just being like I'm just an arrogant motherfucker who likes to get into fights. That's more like a Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, I give it a nine out of ten altogether. I love a good Emma Frost moment. Um, I love a good Electra moment, and when you put them together, it makes me want a solo series of Emma Frost bank throwing her own little Charlie's Angels. I don't know. I really don't like Electra enough for all of that. Why don't you like Electra? You didn't read it on. Oh, so you, you didn't read the Double Rings High End Electra as Daredevil? Um, I am, I'm not reading that tie in, but I am reading or was reading. Um, uh, Daredevil Woman Without Fear, where Elektra is Daredevil. I like her as Daredevil, mm-hmm. to be honest, but she's never really done anything that has held my interest. For real she needs to bring in Isabel. I think if she brings in Isabel as her sidekick in that, I think it would spice it up a little bit. Um, but Isabel feels like it's a character they they, they prepping basically to be a young Avenger or something. She's gonna be a, she coming back. They need her to stay stay around because the black girls need somebody who throws hands. Yeah, I was about to say because I didn't. I can't see how you don't like Electra because that uh, woman without fear run when she was like fighting. Uh, I'm not forgetting my dude's name. I'm forgetting my dude's name. Craven the Hunter. I always forget his name if I love him so much. He's like my top three, one top three villains. Uh, Craven, that fight was just phenomenal. Her going like, wait a minute, I don't have to fight this dude like. Like Matt would, this Matt's a boxer. He's showy. He likes to sit there and box and like keep everyone's eyes on him. I'm a ninja. I'm the best damn ninja in the world, which is a very problematic statement. <laughs> very problematic. Seeing, seeing as how she is not Asian, she's not Asian. She's Greek. She, she's a Greek hottie. She's a Greek baddie. Yes, all these things. She did once kill, um, formerly known as Scalp Hunter. She did kill Break him. Row. Is Grey Crow, formerly known as Scalp Hunter, when she kills him, he was called Scalp Hunter. She did which do that. Changed, which I'm glad they changed that name. Happy they changed that name. That. Yeah, happy that they changed that. So you always put my girl Electra into problematic scenarios. She is yeah. not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> she is not a racist. Um, always liked but, um, the other problematic ninja, Psylocke, more than uh, Electra. You know, didn't they fight? No, it was Daredevil and and Betsy who fought in the AVX time, and they fought each other. And I think Quan, I think Betsy won. If I remember correctly, I think she did win, or it was a draw because she couldn't just go into his head and shut it down because the senses are like a natural trap for telepaths; they can't handle it. But she was like beating his ass, basically. I think she almost pulled off like a psychic, a side knife to the back of the head. But you know, that's the coup de gras. That's the ender. You know, I don't know why she stopped doing that. Now, Quanin going back to being a bad bitch doing that shit, I would love to see it. 
That's why I want my Emma's Charlie's Angels. That's what I want them. I want the White Knights. That's what I'm calling them, the White Knights. And I want Quanin. Quanin's going to be in Marauders. Yes, but we can have a little splinter group in there. You know, it's a little tiny, a tiny little splinter group of Quanin, of Electra, or Isabel, depending on who you can get. And, you know, we can get who else would be good for this team? Who makes a good third Charlie's Angel? Um, I don't know, gimmick? Well, if Emma, well, I, mean, well, I was going to say Emma, gimmick. Yeah, because I was going to say if Emma hadn't uh, quit or whatever, then she could have been a part of it. But Okay. So I think we're all wrapped up for today on Devil's Reign. Uh, Emma Frost bounces back. Uh, so, Vante, what are you got coming up? What's on your list? Uh, on my list, we have Excess of Wolverine number five, the last issue of this particular series. So, praise the Lord. Yes, the and, Lord. yes, and I'm gonna try to get through this. We don't have enough Logan material, so we're gonna get through this. <laughs> so, we open up this issue back to, um, House of X, Powers of X, um, where we see um, Charles Xavier sitting on the bench um, outside looking at the birds. That familiar scene where he was at the circus and he's looking up at the sky. He's feeling all hopeful. And we see Moira come up. But it's a different type of Moira this time because she's all beat up, bloody, bruised, and she's like, bitch, fuck you. (laughs) Basically. So um, she's saying, I wish I never met you. Fuck you in your dream. Basically cussing them out. But it's in, in the panels, it's kind of like it's going back and forth between her and Krakoa in the armor after Logan has stabbed her and then um, the uh, power of the X scene. So um, she said, I can't let you win. You're a traitor. And then we get um, different um, scenes of her lives that she's lived all, I guess, 511 of them damn lives. So we get to, um, we get to the um, Phalanx Wolverine being chased down by the Wolverine family. And um, they're in pursuit of him. And um, they're in contact with Sage. And Sage is saying that he's after um, the cradle. And he's attempting to... um, uh, I guess the phalanx is going to uh, put its, uh, I guess it's going to infect the, the cradle and spread all throughout Krakoa, however they're putting it. That's what I'm taking from it. Um, and then um, Sage has a plan and then she's looking at the Cerebro Sword. So um, we get to, um, we get back to the chase. Laura is um, the first one to take on the uh, Phalanx Wolverine, and um, Phalanx Wolverine basically uh, whoops her ass, throws her to the side. Dakin jumps in next, tries to take um, tries to take him on, basically saying, um, "Logan, wake up! I know you're in there." And the Phalanx Wolverine uh, knocks his ass out. Scout, she's knocking over a boulder. He slashes through it. She jumps in to try to take him on, and he knocks her out. And then um, Logan pops up, and he's 
saying, why don't you pick on somebody your own size? He pulls up the watch and he says, I know you recognize this. And um, the watch is basically supposed to symbolize them not losing, um, losing their way or whatever. And um, he said, it might be broken, but you know what it tells me, your time's up and I'm about to whoop your ass. So they basically get into this scuffle and we get back to um, Sage and Beast and she basically um, is telling Beast to guard um, the, what is that, the point, the point? I guess it's the point, whatever. Um, Beast asks, where are you going? And she says, I'm a living computer. I'm going to try to hack something. And then she takes off with a cerebral sword. Um, we get to this data page. Um, it's the X deaths from the days of a past future. And then this is, um, I guess it's a thousand years that predated the phalanx ascension, Omega, um, uh, with Omega, Omega Wolverine. And um, it basically tells us about how, um, how the mutants failed and what came to pass. And we get to um, three mutants that um, we know for a certain had fell during that time. So Marvel Girl was the first to die, and she was um, basically poisoned by um, Gorgeous George. And um, basically, uh, I guess she was poisoned in her, it was a, something he put in her drink at the Green Lagoon. and. It was like by the time her body was discovered, she was black veined and uh, choked with vomit, and uh, the hatchery was already on fire. Nightcrawler had been surviving by teleporting so often, and um, over time he um, he developed cataracts. So I mean, his vision had failed; he could no longer see, and. Um, he was basically lost in the world. And when the Sentinels came and, and they finally found him, he basically retreated into, uh, I guess he retreated into prayer and his last escape was getting lost in the familiar rhythms of the Apostles' Creed, whatever that means. Um, Magneto, he, being Magneto, being a boss, he was fighting his ass off constantly. And then he was destroying a bunch of different Sentinels with a sweep of his arm. And then um, he got assaulted by a techno-organic force and um, some nanites had seeded in his lungs and spread and basically consumed him from the inside out. And then Professor Xavier was killed by Moira, who um, I guess basically had um, cut him, I guess, in his rib cage to his heart and then put his body on display on a pipe until his, his body rotted to bones. I was like, okay, this, this bitch is so extra. But we get back to this fight <laughs> and um, Wolverine is basically, he's, he's taking on the Phalanx Wolverine and he's basically narrating saying that his family, his like Laura Dakin and um, Scout, they should have never, um, they shouldn't have been sacrificed. Uh, they shouldn't have to be sacrificed for him or it wasn't their job to suffer or anything like that. So um, he was like, he's basically saying atonement's on him. So 
um, they go back and forth a little bit, and then Sage jumps in with the Cerebro Sword. And um, Sage programs the Cerebro Sword with nanites. And um, is, I guess it was meant to be like a counter program for um, his skeleton, um, the uh, Phalanx Wolverine skeleton or whatever. And um, she basically throws him the sword and Logan shoves the sword into the Phalanx um, Wolverine's chest and basically uh, destroys it. And the bones are basically clean of anything Phalanx or whatever. And then the island takes care of the, re uh, the remains of his skeleton and sinks it into the ground. And then um, Logan is basically going to the, um, I guess, to drink every last drop of whiskey he can on Krakoa. So um, we get to the Green Lagoon. Everybody's drinking. Um, Timeline's been saved. Um, him, uh, Professor X, and um, uh, Jean Grey, they have a discussion. and. Logan saying it's not about celebrating, it's about um, surviving, and they make a toast. Um, let me see what else we got. Um, then we get to Sage and Beast, and basically um, Beast is saying that while Wolverine is probably not like his favorite, he doesn't love him, he's probably like not his favorite person, but the reason why He's the best. He's the best at what he does. It's because he doesn't have that high-minded and um, ideological drive that other mutants do. And basically, Wolverine is a, uh, a fighter, and that's what the world needs: is motherfuckers to stab shit, to put it short. So we then get to the end of the book. We're at the graveyard at um, Morris Tombstone which is a predictable ending, if I do say so myself. But um, I guess um, we see a metallic arm, a metal arm come out of the ground. And basically, Moira is programmed um, into a cyborg body. And um, that's basically how it ends. Um, Thoughts, concerns, accusations. Finally, it's fucking over. Uh, yeah, you know, I was struggling with this a little bit. <laughs> but um, someone, someone really needs to open all the tabs in Myra's browser just to see if it slows her ass down just a little bit. Because I'm honestly, I'm not seeing why she needs to still be alive. I think she's run her course. <laughs> she really Honestly. has run her course. She really has like, run her course, but... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to pad the amount of villains that we kind of have to deal with in terms of the Destiny of X uh, storyline, but I don't think we need any more. I think we have plenty so far now. Uh, Myra.exe just isn't... What what they were trying to do is in addition to having Orcus as the big X-Men bad, that they needed an internal person to sort of flip 
and have be the secondary big bad so that then you can tell more a bigger variety of um, villain stories you got orcas abigail brand is part of orcas she's a mutant allegedly and then you have mora who was the big like progenitor of Krakoa becoming a nation and now she has flipped and is a villain against the mutants so like it gives them some storytelling room to to tell with two big bads for the x-men or for the mutants currently yeah uh, um I don't know with Moira. Um, it's just kind of like um, Abigail Brand. She's um, very self-hating, so um, I really feel like I kind of I kind of saw that coming anyway because I was like she was she was going to become the machine. Of course, that's what she was working on. So really, like the ending of this book really was kind of like predictable because I was like, okay, we all know that this is what. She was going to do with her eleventh life anyway, the eleventh life, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I'm like, okay, we all kind of know like that's what she's going to do, and then she has her um, consciousness stored somewhere. So it's like, okay, she's forever, basically. But it's just, I don't, I, I don't know. Like she's just, she's doing the most. <laughs> she's really I would have hoped, I would have hoped they would have ended. I guess the way they go to end the storyline and it's wrapped up Myra altogether was right there in front of everyone's face of just like mind wiping Myra, period, and just resetting her onto the course that she had her first life. It's like, no girl, you earned it. Here, you're trapped in the fantasy. Put her in a portrait along with Astrid. Um, because in the span of this, we didn't just watch the situation go down where we lost like failings. We also lost Forge. Forge got depowered in all of this as well. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to fix it. I'm not sure if they're going to try and make a big deal out of it. It's really easy how to fix what happened to Forge. You just go and put him to the crucible, uh, have him die, bring him back to life, his power again, and then move forward with that. Um, but within all of this, I just do not, cannot find myself finding a storyline where Myra.exe pops up and I care, unless you're doing another Cataclysm event for Krakoa. And she's going to be the big bad who inevitably betrays Orcus and goes, I've been a mutant all along. And we just get bored and get, you know, the mediocre plot twist in the end. They've already done that with WizKid and Sword. They're doing it again. At least one of these characters. One of these characters is not really with Orcus. He's either going to be Myra or Allison. Really a mole. It's a triple agent. But She's a quadruple mole. agent, triple, quadruple, double time. The mole you thought was the mole wasn't the mole. Okay, we get it. Cross, Lord. double cross is not a fun book. That's like the worst episode of Charmed, actually. Cross, double cross, when they go into the mystery novel, and it's all about like trying to find out who did it. It's during the magic school season, so you know it wasn't that great. I really don't care for it. I don't know. I'm just happy it's over. Um, there was levels of this that could have been good, but I think they fundamentally overall dropped the ball. I will say this is much stronger than X Lives. I cannot mm -hmm. say that the players involved in what was going down was really the most interesting. Like we didn't even get a wrap up with Mystique, and Mystique was like the one who was hot on her goddamn ass. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I figured like towards like the end of the book, like they would at least address that because I mean, she died in what the second issue. She was blown up in the second issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the least they could have did was bring her back or get her. Out. Well, I'm, I mean, I know she was already in, you know, like the the hatchery or whatever it's called. But I mean, I figured they would have at least did something with her. But I mean, they forgot about that real quick. What comic is Forge going over to? I know he's going to be a big appearance in someone's comic. As a not a main team member, but someone on the adjacent of the team, is it Marauders or X Men Red? I think it's Marauders. Okay, I think it's Marauders. Yeah, most likely what we're going to get is a scene of him coming back from a crucible or something. We'll see. I don't know. I just feel well, like they also don't need the crucible anymore. They have the um, the waiting room thanks to y'all's favorite um, pretender mutant. Wanda, the former pretender. I really, uh, you know, I only really no, claim she's still um, the pretender. Yeah, I only really claim MC Wanda if I do have to stand one, but she kind of pushed it with WandaVision and uh, my girl Spectrum. So she kind of on the outs with me with 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 that shit. But yeah, that's, that's the only that's the only um Scarlet Witch that I will I will stand. Other than that, I don't know who that other. I don't. She's still a pretender to me. You guys are so rude. Be kind to. They tried to redeem her by her adding to Krakoan resurrection with um, Trial of Joseph, and then the Darkhold book, which have been trained by five fucking issues. The issues about the individual people could have kept them the beginning and ending it could have just been a two issue thing but that was a redemption from now she's no longer under the control of Cathone because now she controls Cathone that's not uh, okay so that book wasn't good it really wasn't wasn't good they dropped the ball they dropped the ball with it and I was I, I think I was most disappointed with the fact that once again you know I'm all for a good uh uh, the, uh, hero turning. Well, I'm all for a good hero fighting hero type of battle if it's like a good plot. But here it's like it, it's 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 like a, a a constant trope that you get. It's like oh, well, we're gonna have the heroes be bad guys and they're they're just gonna fight the other guys. And I'm like, girl, how many times are we gonna do like again a fucking game? <laughs> I feel like they never include villain uh, mutants in that little alternate universe thing. Like I would have, if they had at least one mutant in there that we actually care about, they did. What if Krakoa was as bad as everyone pretended it was? I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. I would enjoy that a lot more. I'm like, if you threw Captain Britain on that team or something and they did an evil version of Krakoa, I would be more accepting of it. I don't know sure if it's because the X-Men um, were fiending for more details or just because like they do these storylines and they forget fundamentally that they're metaphors for things. Like I'm watching, what is the gravity for me watching Blade turn into an evil vampire? Or what's the gravity of me watching like fucking Wasp kill her abusive husband? Like there's no real problem with that. I'm like, it's not an evil thing. It really is just 
I think he had coming. Uh, yeah, like he definitely had a comment because he slapped the shit out of. Yep, he's being a jerk. He was a big jerk face, and that's not okay to be in a comic book. Um, she went from wasp to hornet real quick. <laughs> so, any last thoughts about the X demise of X Men comics? Um, I'm glad it's over. Same. I'm glad it's over. It didn't really uh, serve a purpose to um, that much of a purpose to Krakoa for me, except for X deaths because it tied into how the X powers the X. But um, I'm really not going to give that one too much either. So I'm glad it's over. Sorry. Okay, so I think that means I'm up next. Today we'll be discussing the Immortal X-Men. All right, so let's get into it. The book opens with, you know, good old-fashioned racist misogynist Dr. Sinister, and he's sitting here looking up and whistling at Irene Adler, who comes by, comes by uh, Mary, minding her blind old business to let Sinister know that A, he's a misogynist, and he's awful, and B, she sees something coming. Now, in this time span, they established pretty early that mutants at this period kind of all have to speak to each other. There's no real other point. But in this, she tells him of a future and coming. And as soon as she whispers into Sinister's ears, black veins and black tears stream from his face, and he drops over dead. Um, Mystique comes out from the background and tries to check in on what's going down. She asks, what did she tell him? And then uh, Irene asks, Raven, do you trust me? And Mystique returns, if every part of this world succumbed to dust, the last thing remaining would be my trust in you. What we have is immortal. Um, and this is probably one of the best line drops that they've ever gotten. I give them two snaps for that shit because it's really beautiful and it's really meaningful and it says a lot of different things. It basically hints about the Thanos snap in the first place. It hints at their relationship. It hints at exactly the type of dynamic that you expect from a woman who assassinated the entire country to bring her, bring her wife back before they have the opportunity to vote her off so she can do nothing about it. So Mystique then turns to Irene and helps her up and they make a promise that Mystique would never ask her what she saw and what's coming and to just trust in her instincts implicitly to which she does because she knows her role standing next to a bad bitch. Um, and then our comic begins. Uh, we see on Krokoa and Bar Sinister. Sinister is walking into his private lab and he's observing his little lab experiments, which are just pets. And he comes before a monitor and he says something convenient. Uh, he's, he's monitoring a Chimera mutant. And then he observes that there are 25 logs in his computer, and he's number 26. We don't really know what that means exactly. I thought at first, when I first read it, that he meant he's the 26th clone of something, but that's not the case. And then he says something about having to remember to act surprised when he walks into the meeting, and he learns that someone is giving in their red letter, to which we learn immediately that Magneto is officially quitting the Quiet Council. He's retiring and he's going off to Mars to see how he can be of a better use. Um, and then, of course, Sinister observes everything, looks over, takes some, takes some temperature. He pretends to be more duplicitous than he actually is. He observes that Emma Frost is jubilant. She's very happy that he's going because she's had enough of useless men. And she remembers exactly what that went down uh, in Inferno when Myra was acting on her bullshit. 
um, Shaw is conspiring, but in a useless way about economics and greed and shit. Uh, Kate is trying to be ethical, and Exodus is offended at the blasphemy that any mutant would quit while there's still work to be done. Um, Storm is hired in Dow, which reveals exactly the instinct that Storm never liked Sinister and never will, because he admits to being a racist. He says reform, he says he cut that out, because he's like, everyone, I hate everyone, so why am I just racist? It's like a Reddit user, you know? He thinks that being unliked means that he's immune to casual racism, which is another thing altogether. Um, he is the villain of the story. You're not meant to listen to him, take him any seriously. I hope Storm kills him. That's just put that out there. Can't wait for it to happen. Sis, you you come so far, you can go further. Um, he isolates everyone's weaknesses, basically. He highlights that Colossus is actually a puppet, and how he knows that is not revealed. He highlights how Nightcrawler is definitely a cop, and he doesn't want to admit to being a cop, but he's a cop. Uh, he sees how Mystique and Destiny are clearly in cahoots, and then he leads on with the performance of being surprised. Um... So Magneto is start, about to start the process of leaving, but then Emma triggers another vote. She asks implicitly, should Magneto be allowed to engage in the election of his replacement? And they ask implicitly, should they make it immediately that he's thrown off the council? Basically, effectively turning his retirement and his resignation into a firing. They all vote in favor of removing him from the council and he loses all abilities to vote, to which Emma does everything but spit at his feet as he walks out. Then we highlight all the sinister, the sinister secrets that everyone knows. Basically, it's the basic rundown of everything you should know, and then there are some things that are a bit of a surprise. Like, he talks about knowing what the mutant, L, mutant drug L does, and that all humans know that they get extra five years, but the humanity doesn't know that mutants are effectively immortal. He says that Everyone on the council knows that Magneto and Charles Xavier were in a secret partnership with Myra, and that she had the ability to relive her past lives, and that death was coming to all mutants, no matter what, in every single timeline, that Krakoa is a failed experiment. Um, he highlights how, basically, Mystique connived behind everyone's back, including Hope Summers, to bring destiny back to life, something that she is bound to discover soon for a very clear reason. Um, that Doug and Warlock has integrated uh, nanobots, specifically the phalanx within the island. So it's currently co-inhabited by machinery, basically making Krakoa not biological, but nanobiological. It's a cyborg, basically. And that's a problem, especially when you remember that they have a zero AI policy. Um, Orcus, it has an AI conscious thing, Sentinel and Nimrod, that wants to destroy our humanity, but uh, Sinister reveals that no one knows this, that actually Nimrod does not agree or care for humanity at all. And it's curious that Sinister knows this and no one else. Um, and then the final secret is that Agent Brand is collaborating with Orcus. And so they go forward with that, knowing that this is the status quo of things. We leap into the immediate re-election of a new council member. We see the casuals, uh, Angel and Monet, both competing for a spot. We see Gorgon stop, stopping by just to put his name in the ring. You know, good for you, Gorgon. We'd love to see you actually trying to work. You know, you're not a freeloader out here. Love that about you. Um, Vulcan comes in flaunty. He's a lot more sane than he was just the previous X-Men run, which is curious. 
Abigail Brand puts her name into the ring. Fuck that Karen and her haircut. Uh, Beast put his name into the ring. Fuck him. He's a fascist. And then we get to the final discussion about who they want. And everyone kind of highlights why so many different of these candidates aren't worthy of the title. And specifically, Storm points out that, yes, she has invited Arako to come join the council because it's only fair that if we have one of them over there, they should have one of theirs over here. But the case to them wasn't actually a meritable one because they wouldn't have to fight for the position. And to them, a seat without earning it through violence or through a combat is not one you should honor at all. In fact, it's insulting to even give it to them, which, you know, we love people who are hard workers or about their shit. Um, I love it. You know, so basically at this point, every black person that the council has invited has said no. So then Exodus goes behind everyone back, invites Hope Summers to compete, calls her the Messiah. She says, fuck that shit. She says, still, you should consider joining the council. Then we get to my personal vote for the council member, Celine Galileo. Celine highlights every single thing that I have ever said is the problem with Krakoa and the quiet council. They have no one to protect against magic with. They do not prioritize magic as a threat. They spit at it. It's largely a concern for me, especially how they treated the whole external gate situation and like Betsy's whole awareness about the Excalibur team and the fact that they just lost that entire dimension connecting them to both a Rocco and a myth. Meaning they just scaffolded, they just scuttled Apocalypse over another dimension. He has no way to get back because they just said it doesn't matter. She highlights that they need to do better about it, that of all the mutants, she is the most fit to replace Apocalypse. 100% right. Most fit to replace Apocalypse. The only person with enough lifetime behind her to understand what happened. She remembers Akara. She speaks Araki. She understands the dynamics of everything involved. She has the longevity to think ahead. She can give them experience about what it means to be immortal. She has always the only person to successfully return Genosha back in the first place. And yes, they were technically zombified, but that's more of a personal preference. She didn't really want them to do anything else. If she put her mind to it, most likely she could. Celine Galileo is an accomplished witch. In fact, I would say that she might be considered a Sorcerer Supreme at one point if she actually put her mind to it. I don't think she cares for that, though. She gives me more of a Morgana Le Fay energy where she's just, it's too much work to be bothered with. Being a Sorcerer Supreme, as we learn, is a ghetto job. No one wants to do it. It's some hood rat shit. It's like, you got to put your time aside to protect the world. No, it's ghetto. Don't want to do it, sorry. Rather be a god. And, you know, Storm's the same way. I feel like they see each other. They understand. Don't use your magic for other people. Use it for selfish purposes. Um, and so in the middle of her meeting, quite rude, just like a Summers, Hope barges in and says that she wants to be considered for the council. Not throwing her name in the ring. She's demanding it. And she makes albeit a okay threat, but really is a threat. It's not her saying that she has any good experience. It's not her saying that she has any magical experience. She has none of the qualifications. She just says that I'm favored, I'm liked, and you're going to give it to me because I said so. And because I don't like that you guys have been making votes and tell us what to do and never considering what we feel, how we acknowledge this process. And so... Because of that, they chart the vote on whether or not they should just give it to Hope or give it more time and ask more people. Uh, Celine makes it pretty clear that if they don't return her to the seat and don't give it to her because she asked for it, she will remove the external gate and turn it into a monster to attack the city in the exact same way they couldn't handle Wanda doing. And not only that, she highlights how they used her peers, which is a very emotional argument. I'm going to split it like there. Celine's being emotional right now. 
They use her friends to build a gate. And her as immortal is highlighting that no matter what, if she likes some person or not, those are her compatriots. She spent centuries with them and she would spend more time with them if she could. No matter what, she only has so many people who will stick around her. She's immortal. Everyone she knows will die. Um, if you want to hear more about that, go check out Cerebro, Radio, uh, Cerebro over on Cerebro Podcast. They have a really good episode of highlighting what Celine is all about and how she feels about immortality in general. Um, they vote. Uh, Sinister gets cocky. He thinks he knows how everyone will vote. And he foresees it being that Hope Summers will fail. He votes no up until he sees that Destiny does not agree to let Hope Summers through. He starts thinking that she's seen something that means that she knows something. He becomes, becomes very afraid. Very much like Myra usually gets afraid about anyone who has future sight ability. He, in the first time, I want to say in all the elections, changes his vote in the middle of the voting process, flip-flops, and votes for, for Hope, and Hope, therefore, makes her way onto the council. From there, they go forward, and they have to go and let Celine know what was going down. Xavier goes to find her and tell her exactly what just happened. And Celine just says, bet, and makes a demon to attack all the island. Then Sinister asks if Destiny saw this coming, and then Destiny clarifies some shit. She says that people think she just sees the future, that she knows Destiny. But she clarifies that there's no such thing as one Destiny, that there are many futures, and all she knows is the possibilities of what could come to pass. And this is a huge caveat because there's no one way her power works. There are multiple aspects, and it just means two different weaknesses. I'm not sure if they're saying that she has the power to see cause and effect, or she's saying that she sees possibilities and what has the most likeliness of happening in accordance. Those are two separate meanings, and they mean two separate things, but I don't think we'll ever get clarification. But from there, we end the comic, and the attack commences on Krokoa by way of Celine Galileo. And we also get one key thing at the very end. Sinister reveals that he hasn't just been working on one chimera. He hasn't just been working on one combination. He's been idealizing multiples. And he reveals that he has several clones with X-Gene activated versions of Myra McTaggart. And he has been resetting the timeline from the very start whenever something didn't go his way. It's been Life 26 because he has reset the timeline 25 times in the past. Thoughts, concerns, and accusations. Sinister is a nasty girl. I'm going to tell you that. that was a you know how we girl. were standing Sinister just a while ago? Yeah. You guys kind of feel like he should be dead now? I, I, I feel that way. He was the comedy relief to be the, like, the comedic villain, and now he's just... He, he's he's given... Now that he's even more so uh, confirming that he's a, he was a racist, you're still racist to me, sir. <laughs> yeah, you don't. He's gonna get. I I see what's being set up here that um, this is gonna be a whole lot of really juicy ass drama. It is, and I'm gonna love every moment of it. Same, same. And they also, um, which I kind of noticed too, they retconned him in this issue. Because mm-hmm. they're saying that he's a mutant, but he was a mutate through Apocalypse. He lies a lot. That's the thing that's going Does on. He, he so, fibs. So he's, he's a fibber. But, but remember in House of X Powers of Ten when they showed them recruiting him, 
the original mutate version of Sinister was killed by the mutant version of him. And so that's how they sort of erase um, that the original Sinister was a Nazi. He's dead. Don't worry about him. He's dead. He was replaced with his own clone, basically. It's like, I saw the clear reference. They love My Hero Academia. The writers in the X office, they love My Hero Academia. Because there's a there's a, a villain in My Hero Academia who went through this, who, like, he had the power to clone himself, right? And he used to just use his power for anything. But then his clones gained sentience, and they started thinking that they themselves were the original. And so when they did that, they started trying to prove it by killing each other. And the real original one got like tied down and had to watch himself get murdered on a loop for like three days straight. And then he just kind of lost off reality. He started thinking of himself as a clone. Um, so that's a reference to that, definitely. But within Sinister, I think they also point out with Exodus because they highlight it. It's like, you're not a mutant by birth. You weren't chosen. You gave yourself the mutation, which I'm like, that's just all more reason. I'm just sitting here thinking about Franklin how dirty he got got because they did it really matter if he got his mutation secondhand you have ink running around here but it's it's odd that they well not odd because they have a reason for it that as soon as they realized that franklin gave himself the x gene to sort of I don't know, find community, I guess. I don't know what the the excuse was. Um, That they immediately were like, yep, you're not allowed on here. Oh, but we're going to continue to let Sinister be around, even though he also gave himself the X gene. Oh, because we need his data resources. When you have the copies now, fuck him. Fuck him. You got all his shit. And I'm glad you said because that kind of brings me back to the whole Selena situation because they was treating her kind of like they was kind of doing her dirty. Like I don't know if they have some some sort of whatever against her, but it's like okay, you have Sinister on the council, but it's like what she actually had a valid reason. Like you need like somebody that's had centuries of experience and magic on this council. Like, I'm pretty sure she can help with the the whole dynamic with Krakoa and everything. Like, I don't... I just felt like they really didn't even give her a fair shot. Like, they looked at her like she was like a, like a genuine threat. Like, they never gave her a shot. But you trust the Sinister on the fucking council. So what's the difference? What I, what I think they should have done is given hope and the, and the five a similar vote to how Krakoa is able to vote through Doug and let Celine be actually on the council so that then the five is heard but y'all don't make decisions so shut the fuck up yeah it's like I can see definitely what hope was coming from and like her perspective on it so I'm like they like what that letter from Beast was too fucking much he went too far with that shit uh and that disrespect in general was wild. I do feel like that seat Colossus guy should have been her seat. I can see that. It's the seat of the soldier. I don't particularly particularly want her on the council. That's just me. Because I'm not really a big Mm -hmm. hope. I'm really not a big hope Summers um, fan anyway. 
Um, and to me, I really her her being on the council, like, okay, yeah, she's from the future, and they did that whole mutant messiah thing way back when. But I just, she just, I mean, she just doesn't have like that that she doesn't have like that oomph for me to actually be on a council. Like, like what, what, like who could you possibly say other than? I mean. She is the expert. I would say like her expertise into the future uh, qualifies in that area. That's the one thing I can think of. But the, also, the, she is an expert in mutant circuits. The five lights did exist, even though no one really wants to acknowledge it. And what the five lights were, which is one big mutant circuit that just revolved around her, like being able to tap into each of them individually um, for a different variety of reasons. Um, I think I do see why someone of the five would be on the council. And I'm thinking about the other four, Elixir, Proteus, Tempest, and uh, Gold Balls. None of them really pop out as people who would be on the, temp- the council. Tempest has her own relationship with Xavier based on like, her helping destroy Matthew Malloy. And she has her experiences in the alternate futures, which I'm surprised they never really bring her up as an expert in chronology. Um, She's got one big ass fucking job, so I understand why they may not. Yeah, but in terms of too much. everyone on the five who has an important job to do, I feel like her job is most easily replaceable. Because as much as like time manipulation is a cool power and it was like it's so powerful, it is. I've seen more time manipulators than I've seen people who can make gold ball eggs. <laughs> There's literally <laughs> only one person who can make gold ball eggs. And it's gold balls. Gold ball is the omega level gold ball generator. <laughs> there would never be another. <laughs> you probably could figure a way for Jamie Braddock to be able to replace him. Jamie Braddock, maybe. I mean, as a thought projector, yeah, essentially. But I feel like the amount of A's you got to make is it's pretty clarified that he can only make so many changes in one given area before that stuff starts getting really wonky. Um, I think he's more so of the replacement of Proteus. I think he will replace Proteus if anyone on the team. Yeah, because Gold Balls, nobody can put in the amount of delicacy that he does when he makes his balls. Exactly. No one funnels him just right. And he's, if they're so smooth. And well, no. Uh, and very well. I feel like Gold Balls really should come back as a hero. Gold Balls is my favorite member of the Uncanny X Men in that post uh, the post ABX run. I fucked with Gold Balls a long way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one else gets it. I'm like, I get it. I see it for Fabian Cortez. All right, Fabian is just that dude, along with Triage. Triage is my nigga. My nigga. I mean, they really should have him. Maybe Triage can be to the council. No, he's not. He's not even in the fucking healing gardens. It's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> but I do. But Healer is there. The weakest fucking he- uh, healing mutant ever. Healer. I just don't get you it. Might as well have April in there giving blood transfusions. Wolverine works in the healing gardens, just dropping blood into open wounds. That's <laughs> it. That's all he's doing. Like. I don't know. I just feel some type of way about it. I do agree with Celine. I hope they better not throw her into the fucking, um, they really better not throw her into the hole over this, because I see it. I see why she did it. She did nothing wrong. Can the hole even hold her? 
They never tried no, putting it. No fucking way. Yeah, because they never tried putting a true blue telepath down there. Yeah, because I'm gonna say like you're not. Just, uh, I don't think that you can just throw like Celine into the pit. And also, like she's it's, she's a part of Krakoa, like where they uh, sacrifice like a, a mutant or something to Krakoa or something. It's, yeah, she monitors the energy levels yeah. of Krakoa. She's in charge yeah, of that. So. Yeah, and so she's I'm also in charge of the escort. I feel like if they're gonna try to do it, she, her number one threat is I'm gonna tell everyone all the secrets in your itty bitty little heads. And though some of you got some pretty ample telepathic protection, not all of you do. I'm like she can easily go into Exodus's head and snitch on everything in there. Um, but she, I was like, I feel like this is an acceptable situation. She's not doing anything. I feel like if she just doesn't hurt Krakoa proper. And she goes, oh, you have no right to keep my friends dead as mutants in that external gate in the first place. She has plenty of argument space, I feel like. I feel like we got to gather the votes to say we're going to put you in a hole. Um, Hope isn't going to vote that way because Hope gets it. I'm like, where did they do that to the five? Which they did do it to Oya. Child. She needs to, she needs to speak up on that. It's it it happened like several months in the past in the accordance in the history of Sabretooth was oh, taking shit, back place. Right. Yeah, yeah it's true. months yeah, ago. That was in the big, yeah, that was months ago. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But it will still be a valid a good argument though. I think mm-hmm. she kinda like revisited it. Sounds like some put rap mess. I don't know. Girl was ghetto. Stay, keep your asses on Morocco. Um <laughs> Yeah. Woo child. That's why Magneto so, left and was like, "This Krakoa shit is ghetto. I'm gonna go hang out worse with with the black the black people." Yeah, I'm, I'm going go with my ethnics. I'm gonna go <laughs> hang out. I'm gonna go hang out with them and listen to their trap music and put on my Timberland boots when we about to fight. <laughs> you imagine a rocky trap? That shit is probably violent. It's very violent. I know it is. I, th- and I think it would be very graphic. I think it'd be very All Rocky needs to be doing is fucking, is fucking fighting and doing witchcraft. That's it. They don't do anything else. I'd be here. I don't blame them. That's all I would want to do. Period. Because Piccolo and all this green shit is getting born. <laughs> this bureaucracy <laughs> is ridiculous. No wonder Zylo said no. <laughs> No wonder y'all lose Aro- all the fucking time. Araka was like, "Hey girl, uh, hey Storm, hey girl, um, get these niggas together, please." Y'all saw uh, it's the talking her cash shit at Storms <laughs> on the cash. She said, "What do you mean, oh queen? What are you gonna do about it, oh queen?" I was like, "Oh, you a messy bitch. I like you." <laughs> I was like, "She's talking mad shit to you, Aurora. What are you gonna do about it?" <laughs> Dude, this is the first time I've ever seen someone talk shit, cash shit to Storm. I'm like, girl, I, I understand why you didn't screw up. That's a, is, I don't think you, I don't, it's not that I don't think you can win. It's that, it's sometimes, you know, is the victory worth it? True. This is true. Gotta pick yeah. your battles. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, gotta pick them wisely. But, um, anything else with a Mortal X man? Um, a sinister burning hell. I got that little sneak peek. He looks like he's going straight to the hole. <laughs> yes, secondary. 
and then replace him with Celine. Yes, actually, no, either Celine or Prodigy. He let Prodigy take over his his genetics research, and then let Celine take his seat on the council. I feel like Prodigy, by technicality of him being a sorcerer already, is a better replacement for Celine on the council. Any argument Selena can go, I know everything you can do, except I know it better. So you don't need someone who can do magic if you have someone who just knows it. You have plenty of people. Enough political capital to do that, though. Yeah, but isn't it weird that he doesn't? He doesn't try. He's also like 12. He's 19. Hope is younger. Hope is like 17, 18. They're the same age. But people like, she has a lot of political capital in that she leads the five. She leads the five and she has nepotism on her side. That and whereas Prodigy is a member of X Factor and that's all he's got going for him. He's also a sorcerer. Well, he's a practitioner of magic. They should. Well, they need to work on He was also a leader of the X-Men. He was an X-leader. In the future. Okay, so with that, let's wrap up everything going on there. Okay, so I think that's time for the circuit party of the week. I feel so good right now. Oh my god, where are the tops at? Okay. <laughs> so, as everyone might know, every member of this council is on Twitter. It is a hellfire app <laughs> where nothing happy comes and goes from. It's like the hole or the pit. Um, except instead of Sabretooth being in charge, it's like Satan. So, <laughs> I don't know what all y'all interactions with X Twitter has ever been. Like, for me, I joined relatively recently. I've always been a nerd, and therefore I've always been on the, the, the cutting board, scuffing, you know, the bare surface of X Twitter. But I feel like this year, or in particular last year, I started increasing my, my, uh, my amount of access to it just in general. And the negativity behind these faces accounts and people who aren't faceless, this is generally both of y'all, you guys are all fucking terrible, um, has been god-awful. Uh, 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 Baby? Uh, don't include us in that. Caveat. People who have never done anything to me, it has only been sweet to me, are not included. Which means, Vante, I don't mean you. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, overall, <laughs> you know exactly, you know it's true. I just want to say, just overall, I feel like there is a question of, like, the overall impact and the lack of, you know, personal skills within comic book Twitter in general that needs to be discussed. Because it it does impact your ability to consume the comics, period. Um I even personally find myself, I'm muted. No one really knows this. I'm muted the X-Men, uh, the entire word X-Men 
in general from my timeline just because I wanted to filter through like so many negative interactions where I would just be scrolling and see something horrific happening to someone or I would say something about character and then some Gene Ray fan would pop up with something horrific to say at me um, or even <sighs> we don't always get along with everyone just in general for me I don't have the best relationship with this one account all of you guys keep tagging us with excel words i just generally do not have a great relationship with that there's a lot of different things that go into it there's a lot of things within that relationship but overall i do think a lot of the negativity between interpersonal things and personal things has a lot to do with the specific character types that do compose a lot about x twitter and I just wanted to ask and gauge you guys, what have your experiences been like overall and has it impacted your ability ability to interact with comics, comics in a public setting like that? Specifically X-Comics. I never really get that. Like I tweet about Magic Order sometimes. Nothing ever happens. I tweet about um, DC Comics sometimes. Nothing ever happens. But when I specifically go in to discuss an X-Men comic or X-Men title or X-Men character, my mentions get flooded. And it's not the best interactions. Um, I don't think that I've had necessarily a negative interaction. Um, I, I mean, I've had them, but it hasn't been like a consistent, uh, consistent thing. Um, that negative interactions that I did have was mostly like um, jokes being made, especially like when you was going back to like the Jean Grey um fans or whatever and you would say something about oh you know she her i mean she she didn't um she didn't have her snack packed on the ex jet before she went on a mission or some shit like that you know <laughs> she got hypoglycemia you know so shit like that you know what i'm saying that was in reference you know we always reference the um the 90s show the 90s cartoon at least to me you know what i'm saying because i mean let's just call it spade a spade the bitch always passed out in that day. it was mm -hmm. not a moment that she did not pass out on that fucking show. And you know, oh, I think people just try to, um, uh, what did they say? It was like, oh, I think people just try to um, degrade Jean at every turn. And they just uh, try to make it seem like she's not this powerful psychic and blah, blah, blah. And I just, and I'm like, you know, to me, it's like, you gotta be able to read the room. You gotta be able to understand like, okay, a lot of people are talking about that the the 90s show. That's what a lot of people know the X-Men from. You know, not all people are investing in comics like all of us, like, you know, like a lot of X-Twitter is. So they may mm -hmm. have watched the cartoon, but they may not know Jean Grey from the comic books, the actual comic books, you know what I'm saying? So it's like when people, it's like you have to understand like where these jokes are stemming from and not, take it completely personal you know what i'm saying like it's like nobody's trying to come for her in that type i mean and even if i did i wouldn't give a fuck i'm still gonna tweet about it but it's like but i mean nobody's like tweeting in like a way where oh you know it's just like a hate gene gray type of thing it's, this shit's fucking funny that's what she did like if she, that's I mean, like I always say, like if we're talking about the animation aspect of Jean Grey, like her character, then I would much, I would pr always prefer um, her, um, 
her evolution, X Men evolution version of her character. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. only char- that's the only character that I would acknowledge like in in actual media as powerful. You know what I'm saying? But comic book wise, you know, she has good stunts and stuff like that. But nobody's attacking her. You know, in 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 that way. You know, but I'm not gonna sit there and say she's my favorite either. So, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. But it's like, I think that would be the only real negative interaction that I had. And then it was one interaction I had with, um, uh, I think it was a Wolverine fan. I think it was a Wolverine fan. And he, um, he was, I was basically yeah. saying, like, I didn't, um, because they had made some, um, they had made some tweet or something saying something about, Logan being introduced into the MCU, and I'm like, we've had like what ten years of fucking Hugh Jackman as Wolverine when he was in Fox. Like, I think this is the moment where we should start experimenting with a new group of other X Men characters that's you know centered around or whatever. And oh, well, Wolverine's the money maker, and Wolverine's this and that. and it's just it's 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 just it's a lot. It's a lot with X Twitter. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like everybody. It's just like everybody takes certain things too personal, and it's like when somebody gives an opinion, it's not always an attack. You know what I'm saying? It's not always something where somebody's trying. And even if it was an attack, well, who the fuck? So, <laughs> like, my uh, my my biggest issue is. Um, when folks who only have one perspective on uh, X-Men continuity, whether it be just one of the TV shows or just the movies or just like have no context whatsoever and they just come in and want, well, I like such and such is that like a lot of those opinions don't make any fucking sense when um that's the only context that you have. Like, if you come to it like, hey, I, I really only watched um, the X-Men from the 90s show, and this is my opinion on that. I respect that more than I do. I'm the the um, authority on Storm, and she always calls out these lengthy um, monologues before she does. No, no, she doesn't. No, 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 no. No, she doesn't. She doesn't do that. And then a lot of times, someone's about to die. <laughs> but, a lot, but a lot of people oh sorry go ahead um but like also to your point that like if that's how you approach um gene gray's character as well if you all you watched was the 90s cartoon and that was the only thing that you ever knew about her then it would look like she needs to carry around some sugar pills in her purse or some <laughs> shit because her blood sugar is low all oh, the time wow. Scott. In the comics and other iterations of Storm of uh, Jean Grey, she doesn't. It, she isn't as um, as flimsy with her blood sugar. Yeah, and then she can, she can, I, she's not my favorite either. But like, still, yeah. But she can, like she actually she actually holds up pretty well. But a lot of people mm-hmm. have to understand also with the Storm monologues, they really only gave her those. I don't think a lot of people know this, but the only reason why they gave her those was because when she was a supporting character in a lot of those shows, she didn't have any lines. 
So they kind of had to fill in certain areas. So that's why, like, okay, she may be in the group or whatever. She may not necessarily have an opinion, but they'll probably have her in the fight. So they'll probably go ahead and throw in the whirlwind or, you know, that shit she'd be always doing. Like, that, that, that's basically what that was about. You know, and then they also wanted to stick to kind of like the Weather Witch uh, title or whatever you want to call it. Um, they were trying to stick it was, to that. So it was very much giving Wanda and her only good animation depiction. That's a lie. Evolution was also great for her uh, when she was in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, when she would do the winds of destiny change. I, I, remember I know that. my shit. <laughs> I know. I was like, go ahead. And, and we also need to, um, they, that was like the only um, animated series where they kind of got her um, depiction right as far as her as being. Romani? Yeah, yeah Romani. Yeah. They sort of did it. They were close. Yeah, kind of close. Yeah, kind of And um, in, um, Wolverine and the X Men. I want to say her Romani depiction and evolution seems to be in just how they structured her physical features other than her skin tone. Like, to me, the ethnic ambiguousness was being ambiguous, but it wasn't definitely, you couldn't see like, oh, she's brown skinned. It was like, they're going for that. She's a goth. But I'm also like, but also rogue's goth. And so they just look like inversions of each other. (laughs) They look like sisters. So what was your um, experience with uh, X Twitter like? If you oh, these bitches all hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these bitches. I made these bitches sick. Uh, even just last week, I said something about butter rum and someone had a whole fucking conniption uh, about that goddamn horse. Because I said the exact same thing. I was like, Jimmy Frost is lying about loving horses. She fucking murdered one. It was a joke. And yet there was still the same issues. Fundamentally, though, there I have this issue with clicks. Just fundamentally, I don't like it. Because not that I don't understand that people create small groups and they create groups that have a very strong dynamic. Like, look at us. The four of us have a very strong dynamic. And so we speak more to each other, especially about comic books, than just about any other group online. For me, I think it started around the time I got verified. That's when shit started getting weird for me overall. And it's because people started looking at me with more of a authority that they can dismantle or they can use rather than me as a person and fundamentally it's just recipes got lost in the process like people would look at me and try to find any reason to turn what i just said into antagonist statement but they don't anticipate me rebutting in any sort of way like my last great interaction with a gene gray stand they got upset with me because as soon as they started running their mouth at me i let them know where the joke was coming from I said rude things because I meant the rude things. And then I started getting DMs like, oh, I don't know if you should be bad-mouthing people over a comic book character. I was like, who told you to come in my face and play like you wouldn't get told about yourself? Um, Specifically, the clicks issue, for some reason, I think maybe it's because of popularity of things like Cerebro, where they're now headlining and they're now getting notified and like, a lot of like focus in the media as a comic book expertise um, that people have now started generating their own podcast and started looking for other ways that they can monetize like their demographic 
and their whole niche within X Comics proper. Within that, I think they fundamentally have missed the mark about what makes Cerebral great, which is because uh, Connor Goldsmith, great person, actually a really sweet person too, a really nice sweet person, all gently through and through, is a professional (laughs) in their industry that they have a different relationship. And fundamentally, I do too. Like, I won't be the one to say the wildest thing at all times because I am often being mindful that I am an author, I'm a writer, I'm a journalist. And so everything I do will reflect onto those things. I keep my ethics above board with most things. Um, doesn't mean I won't kiki. Doesn't mean I won't like fucking play about because I'm a playful person. But it just means I monitor and engage things with a different lens depending on where I'm coming from. Like, I think fundamentally people misunderstand a me online as me my personal person like me Stephen just like they might see us as a group mocking and having fun with each other and see me as the depiction of a villain and misinterpret that as going oh Stephen is the one that you can fuck with or Stephen is the one who has a big ego about himself but in actuality I'm a very big uh part of my sleeves and most of my sleeves type of person my interactions have largely been with people thinking they know me and then trying to recategorize who I actually am to fit into a box that they can like more easily package to whatever narrative they got going on. Like the podcast thing is great overall, but I'm someone outside of it. And I'm someone outside of the X-Men. I engage with the X-Men content because it's my hobby. I prefer just doing that than like being serious all the goddamn time. Though I've looked at my analytics and I found out everyone hates it when I talk about comic books. It's quite, I looked at it. They were like, there's a Venn diagram of everything that my users engage with. And it was like, yeah, they like when you talk about being a writer and being black. Over here is this tiny little margin for your comic book shit. <laughs> it's like, just keep it, just so you know, Steven, in case you ever worried about it, this is what it looks like on paper. Um, and so I'm like looking at it. I think a lot of situations with these things people started to believe that they knew more about me than they actually did versus they had actually had a conversation and gotten heart to heart. I think we all, everyone in this podcast knows about the extra word situation. I think literally as that shit unfolded, everyone found out about it and was just like how gross that thing ended up, even though it didn't need to be that way. Um, especially because we're really the only two that I know of, like major black X-Men podcasts. Um, and I, you, you try to walk a very fine line with the negativity on X Twitter, especially with how many black members of X Twitter that there exists. Like there's only like, I want to say a hundred of us total in a very niche group. And as many of the accounts that pop up and say they're black, only a handful of them stand in that shit and go, I'm a black user. Like we all follow Aurora's wind. We all fuck with Giannis, uh, his ambivalent means of getting a hold of uh, storm information. Um, yeah. We all know Vante, we all know Henry, we all know Showtime. Like there's just constants and state mainstays in like this niche group and this online fandom. But it being a fandom doesn't mean that like there's not gonna be any issues. I think more than anything, it means that there's always gonna be strife between particular parties for one reason or the other. Maybe someone mentioned themselves too many times someone's uh shit, maybe someone kept quote retweeting and with a very negative opinion about a character, just thinking they were kicking. There's just a lot of different circumstances, but my overall interaction with X Twitter has predominantly been one of negativity outside of the people who've actually gotten to know me. And I think that's my major issue with X Twitter is this idea of 
when they deem their perspective as something more than just a perspective. And then they take that into an exciting action against you. Um, because the X-Men are not serious enough for me to fight you over. But I'm also not going to let you talk to me in sort of way about it. It's very much Will Smith the slap moment. Of maybe I might just be feeling petty in a moment when you're saying some shit, and I might just react in a way I need to react. Right. I don't know. Fandoms is not beating the toxic allegations against them. So that's a very okay. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. So, um, any other um run-ins with X Twitter or any other toxic things that need to be talked about. I wish so. Henry was still here to discuss whatever was going on in the forums. I need that ancient knowledge. I need that ancient lore of uh, X Twitter. <laughs> Don't do Henry like that. Don't do I'm that. not doing Henry like nothing. I'm just saying that Henry knows what fandom used to be, especially because Henry is a, is a Transformers buff. They got stories. Transformer fandoms got fucking stories. They got stories like I'm pretty sure Star Wars fans got stories. Like apparently like, I learned I've been looking deeply into that. Like it's so interesting to see how fucking awful Star Wars fans have always been. Uh like I as much as I'm sitting here saying the negativity of X Twitter, I would rather be on X Twitter than have anything to do with Star Wars. Yeah, I feel like Star Wars fans will jump you. <laughs> They'll call you a Negro <laughs> to your face. And like that's the, also the issue that I'm always coming across is that as black like nerds, as black comics fans, there's still always going to be a partic- like a particular thing that we kind of have to go up against when you're engaging in fandom, which is that people don't consume their media with the same perspective that we do. Like there's people who ignore the racial implications of the X-Men in favor of just going well, it's a glorified story of equality where you just do Mar- what Martin Luther King said and you just be nonviolent and you let people get their yucks off until they decide not to do it anymore. And like, then there's us and Black X Twitter who carve out just the know-how of just saying like, there's so many different dimensions to how you can interpret superheroes and how we perceive ourselves on a day-to-day basis, how we perceive community even goes into what we're talking about and like even yesterday was like two days ago was april fool's day and one of the users i actually one of my mutuals was doing a bit where he pretended to be a white comics fan and he noticed immediately that just him joking about and adopting that persona got him so much more traction in terms of like the anti-black comics gate bullshit of it all that it just he immediately stopped doing the joke and he tried to return and like he, i think he deleted all the tweets he made because it wasn't even worth the joke anymore because people were taking him seriously yeah and, and i think it makes it hard even within x twitter it's kind of like it's sort of hard to make um certain jokes or you know anything um revolving around a particular character or anything i think it's hard to make certain jokes because it's like everybody kind of takes it like takes it to heart and sometimes it's like a it's like a light joke or it could be pertaining to like a certain um certain bit of the character's history that we all know that you know like us as comic book readers like we know certain shit that's not like displayed in the media or that they don't take from the comic books and put in media like in the movies or the cartoons or whatever you could take a certain bit 
make a joke out of it and then certain people that read the comic books will catch on to it but other people who haven't read it or aren't invested in it will take it and well well what is that supposed to mean that's not like you know is you it's like you kind of like jump in the gun because you only know shit about the movie but you're not really reading the actual content about this character you know what i'm saying so it's like you can make okay like didn't we make a joke about Emma Frost snorting coke or something like that? <laughs> it's in the comics. Yeah. Oh. It's in the comics. Yeah. She is like, a snow queen. Like, yeah, like she literally did drugs and she was a fucking stripper. So I'm like, yo, this is She not was like a sex this. worker. She yeah, she sold the goods. She was yeah, dodging some raindrops, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's not like, you know, we're saying, it's not like people are saying anything that's like, not uh, uh actual fact or we're pulling it it may probably have been like years before these people were born but it was like this is like what this actual this is what this actual character has done like this is what was written so it's not like you know we're saying she's snorting coke just for no reason the bitch snorted coke <laughs> it's it's a lot like um people who just watched the Black Panther movie and that is their only understanding of the character of Black Panther mm -hmm. or Wakanda or any of the other things that happened that like technically the Dora Milaje started as like a really 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 sexist like thing. Yeah it was a whole sexist trope. And they they morphed it into what it is now but they were originally the um they were betrothed to the Black Panther slash King of Wakanda um as his guardians and then um as his potential wives at some point which implicitly lovers as well that was also mixed up in there really really sexist however that has morphed into they're still his bodyguards and his like personal royal guard but they have opinions that's the end of that yeah they they you have individualized characters amongst them um all of them have like different personalities of the ones that we've been able to get to know. So like they've become actualized characters. Marvel's Amazon's in a real awful place. But people who just watched the movies would never know that. They also wouldn't know just how isolationist Wakanda actually is and how mm. awful that is on a continent that has been drained of its resources and Wakanda has an overabundance of resources, but they're not sharing it. Literally, I'm like, read Nnedi Okorafor's interpretation of Wakanda because it's so important to contextualizing how the African perspective would be about Wakanda. They would hate that shit. I was like, that concept of Uncle Tom is exactly what Wakanda is and would be considered. And so many people like, you can't say nothing bad about Black Panther. You can't... That's, I think that's the second only, the thing second only to, in terms of Marvel Comics, second to X Twitter is Chadwick Bosman apologists and people who are campaigning for the replacement of Black Panther. Because I got blocked by a few people just for, I got called anti-Black, specifically. I got called anti-Black because I said, I don't feel comfortable with, like I said, the reality is that whoever replaces Chadwick Bosman is in for so much criticism that it might just derail his career. And it's just the truth. I'm like, you're not like, it's not me saying that I want that for them. It's me saying that that's the reality because I know how black folk are. And I know how people who put the spotlight and who idealize specific roles 
get. I'm like, that's just a reality. And I don't think Damson can survive like that kind of criticism. He can barely survive being snubbed for Snowfall, his first major role. And like, fundamentally, the weirdness that happens whenever you bring it up. I've had friends close to me saying, if Black Panther isn't interpreted in a very specific way, I'm not watching any more comic books movies ever. I'm going to campaign for no more Black Panther movies. And I'm like, but you guys do realize that, like, in most of the stories you want T'Challa in from the comics, he was an asshole. He was a raging asshole. He was a problem. I'm like, y'all want Storm and T'Challa so bad. He was a bad husband to Storm. That's just the truth. He was a bad husband up until, like, literally Ta-Nehisi Coates got a quote of him and Ta-Nehisi started doing a deeply introspective, like, deconstruction of romance and love, specifically from his perspective, because literally how he interprets his relationship between T'Challa and Storm is directly rooted and removed from between the world and me. Like, his whole soliloquy about Black love and, like, the complexity of, like, being intermessed with someone, but doing it in a non-traditionally monogamous scenario, and understanding that passion and love is not singular and that there's multiple dimensions to it and that you can have that back and forth with someone without owning them. Like all of that, that's tiny easy codes. And so, but they don't just get that. They don't, they can't just let that interpretation exist. I've had people get mad at me because I even interpreted, like I just said the matter of fact, like they're probably amorous right now. And he says, I don't see that. Where is that? Said, Literally, Ash, in this one issue where she's kissing up on T'Challa and she just had a whole one-page confrontation with his mistress where she literally said, I don't give a fuck. And this one, she's making, trying to make out and fuck Logan. These are happening <laughs> within the same time period. And then in this one, they're back together. Do you not? <laughs> it's just not that complex. It's just... Yeah, it was just a relative truth of what's going on. But I think within that is just a conversation about where I think comic fandom has to go in terms of realizing that we are, are we aren't what we used to be. I think a lot of the comic fans are stuck in the mentality that they are still the underdog and that they are still fighting against like being othered by someone who has a lot more power than them. Um they never escaped high school basically. And I think that's why well, I have like a lot of these situations where I've had communication issues, including as words. It was a situation where people who should have known better about how they were treating others um, fundamentally just didn't. And they just did not, could not see past like the interaction of just, well, I'm never the problem here. And so it has to be you. Like, I think that happens a lot in terms of X Twitter. And I think that's where the negativity stems from. I think it can be done away with. Like, I, I've even been guilty of it. Involving storms sometimes, the times I have done it, I'm not apologizing for. Um, <laughs> if you said something about storm, you kind of deserved it. You had it coming. It's like, you know, not to say anything about Beyonce. I, yeah. but like, that's if I say, mama, I had to pull a candy bird. It's like, that's my mama. She can have whatever she wants. That's my mama. If I say something <laughs> about Nicki Minaj, I'm not surprised that the barbs come swarming in. I'm not surprised. If I, if I say that rapper with the husband, someone from Brazil or Portugal is going to pop the fuck up angry. And then after they go and DM me to a group chat, and I'm going to be sifting through a bunch of angry people from a country that doesn't really speak English. And I'm just going to be my afternoon or my next two days. That's it. Um, 
But at the same time, I think I realized it more effectively when I realized with the world was when I was putting a lot of criticism of the comics into their mentions when I would just quote retweet or I just reply, which is my general reactionary impression. I realized I don't like seeing that all day. So sometimes maybe I should just go make my own thread, which, you know, I think that goes for everyone. Go make your own thread. Stop bothering people. Start a group chat. Start a club. That's what I say. I mean, put 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 certain opinions and stuff on your own page. Go write some fan fiction. Anything to cure it. <laughs> you know, people just reacting to shit on social media is how we got think fast and how Prodigy became a snow queen. So I will always vote against that kind of antisocial behavior. Um, recipes, my baby David Allen. Miss you, baby. Pour one out for you. But with that, do we have any recommendations for books this week? Oh, child, I do. Hold on. Let me pull up my list. <laughs> well, right now, I can let you guys know the finale of Magic Order was fantastic, and the new issue will be dropping soon. So be on the lookout for the next volume of Magic Order. I'm not sure what's going on with the TV show they said they were starting over at uh, Netflix, but there was supposed to be a TV show pretty soon. I don't have any recommendations at the at the moment. I have um, currently been busy with work and moving, but as soon as I get myself situated, I will be getting back on the ball. <laughs> wow, Vontae. No new books. Wow. Thank you for showing up, I guess. I'm I kidding. I'm well, kidding. Well, 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 shit, I've read, this, I've read the material to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to recommend because I do want to position more black owned comics. I'm like, we're a black owned podcast, black operated podcast. There's no slash here. I want to recommend reading, like, y'all can read it along with me. I'm going to be checking out The Antagonist by Godhood Comics. Um, it's this book about the black family of, of metahumans who are super villains trying to retire. Um, it's a family of five, uh, three kids, and a wife and a mother. And they actually have a black man with with telepathy. So it's everything we've ever asked for in general. So I'm like, why not check it out? See, give reinforcement to black owned comics and black owned comic creators um, that actually do everything we ask for. Cause I'm like, it's not like it doesn't exist. We're just asking the wrong people to consider us. Um, In the same vein of black, but not black owned, um, black written, uh aquaman by dc dc comics it's by um hold on let me pull up the info uh i should have had this pulled up already it's by chuck brown and brandon thomas um they also uh chuck brown also wrote or writes um bitter root which is a amazing comic also it is um it's under it's published under image comics um bitter root is a book that um is about um it's like a steampunky type type book um but with black uh magic um and it's like a, a a southern sort of magic family um that is there trying to eradicate um they have different names for them but essentially demons across uh across the world it is a fantastic book um one of my favorite comic book characters who just talks in um 
he sa- he talks like what T.I. thinks he sounds like, um, but actually knows what the words mean that he's saying. Um, so he sounds like a walking thesaurus while he's talking. And I absolutely love him while he's um, on the page. Um, so I would definitely recommend Aquaman, which is the um, big corporate book, and then um, the creator-owned uh, Bitterroot by the same writer. What about you, Steven? Any recommendations? Any other recommendations? I just gave uh, the antagonist, but I'll always, I'll always do Juan Kwame a say uh, for. Uh, I'm sorry, Kwanzaa. Why am I always saying Kwame? It's Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa interacts with me. Why am I always getting Kwanzaa's name wrong? What is wrong with me? Am I white? Uh, <laughs> but I always will shoehorn and Kwanzaa a say Um, and the book, the Black uh, comic book series that's being optioned by Warner Brothers. Um, I think there's a new run coming out soon. I gotta double check, but you know, the black books are fantastic. It's just the truth that black people, you know, it's that, that shit that was happening last year. We said black people get superpowers, except in his book, we actually do. Um, pretty good pitch. I would recommend checking it out. Please let me know what you think. Um, send support over to Kwanzaa at K-W-A-N-Z-E-R on Twitter. Send love because you know independent black comic creators need love. They're always being attacked for no reason by white people uh, online, and so we need to put them into a place. I support all black comic creators not named George Thorne or Jeff Thorne. Is his name Jeff Thorne? Jeff Thorne, Geoff Thorne. Fuck him. Period. But I think that's all for today's episode of KRKA Radio. Um, what do we got on? Uh, come next week. Well, I know we got X Men Red issue one. X Men Red. Uh, I think is Doctor Strange. Is Strange coming back out? We got open. Yes, Strange is coming back out. Uh, we have X Men Red. We have Marauders: The New Run starting. We have X Force twenty seven and the X Force Annual, and then X Men Red. And do we have Eternals dropping soon? Um, I believe so. Listen, kids, we don't always have our apps open in front of us when we sit down. We just be, you know, winging it. When y'all pay us, <laughs> we will be a bit more professional. But thank you anyway.